Hi, this is PJ, one of the hosts of Community Pulse. Recently, we recorded a special live episode discussing the COVID-19 pandemic and its effect on our work in developer relations and community management. Due to various technical issues, we are unable to bring you the entire episode. We are happy to share what could be retrieved of the recording. Our sincerest apologies for the loss of this content. Please enjoy what we are able to share. You're listening to the Community Pulse Podcast. Welcome your hosts, Mary Thangval, Jason Hand, Sarah Jane Morris, and PJ Haggerty. So everybody who's joining us, welcome to Community Pulse Live, the first ever Community Pulse Live. Very exciting. Um, we're here to talk about COVID-19, what's going on, what it means for people in DevRel. Uh, we've got two great guests coming on. And of course, I'm joined by my hosts, Mary Thangval, SJ Morris, and Jason Hand. Uh, welcome to people from all over the world. It's so great that you're joining us. Like, it's really fantastic. Super exciting. Uh, we, while we're doing this live, it will also be recorded. So um, if you have friends who couldn't make it or you find that there's information but you didn't get a chance to write it down, um, we will be providing recording, both the video and audio. It should be awesome because we're Community Pulse and that's what we do is awesome. Um, a few things as we get into it. Uh, we, w- we are happy to take your questions. Feel free to put them in the chat here. Um, on Zoom, you can put them in the Community Pulse live channel if you are on the DevRail Collective Slack. Uh, also, feel free to, to tweet at us at community underscore pulse. We will answer questions from there. Uh, obviously, we're probably not going to be able to get to everyone's questions, and I apologize in advance for that. But uh, we, we want to do this in like an hour, maybe 90 minutes at most. We don't want to take everyone's day out for the entire thing, but we feel this is an important topic that really needs to be discussed. So if you have questions, please ask them ask them. That said, some things we don't want to cover here because some of them are not our purview and some of them aren't really what we meant to talk about. Um, News about COVID-19, the spread of it, safety, health issues, things like that. That's for your news outlet and for your medical professionals. We are neither of those things. Um, We are just a simple podcast that likes to talk about community things. Um, We love you and we don't want to give you false information. So please don't rely on us for any health or medical advice. Um, The political response to COVID-19. Again, while we all share the same job, we don't all share the same politics and we don't really want to get deep down into that. Um, What else? Uh, Excessive moaning. This is kind of, we want this to be a positive call. We have the moaning channel in DevRel Collective. I know because I've been using it like mad for the past two weeks. Um, but let's try to provide support and help people out. This is a really tough time for all of us. And, and we know that we're going through a lot of the same things. So if you have solutions, let's talk about solutions and not talk about problems. Um, we're not going to talk about general work from home coping mechanisms and things like that. And uh, we will provide, if people have things, we will provide those in the resources in the show notes once we publish the show, which I'd like to have a quick turnaround, especially since it's live. Um, what else? You're welcome to do I'll screenshots. Really quick. Sorry to cut you off. I'm saying real quick, (laughs) if there are resources that you want to share, we will be posting those on the website. So be sure to drop those in chat. Um, Mm -hmm. SJ is going to be pulling those into a side doc we have, and we'll publish all of those on communitypulse.io after the episode is live. Absolutely. Um, Additionally, if you want to get even more attention to what we're doing here or more attention to things that are being discussed or you just want to credit people with some stuff that they've said, uh, please use the hashtag CP Live, Community Pulse Live. Um, That way we kind of get the word out on this awesome event. And other than that, thank you so much for being here. That's really the most important thing. You know, we always say at Community Pulse that there's really... No point in doing DevRel or no point in doing this podcast without a community to do it for. So thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Um, with that, current DevRel, one of the biggest focuses in current DevRel is travel, going to conferences, going to meetups, going to places that aren't this room, um, and traveling around and seeing people interacting with the community. But with the advent of COVID-19 and its, its proliferation worldwide, that has totally been changed. So a lot of travel has been cut out. What, what, you know, and I'm going to ask my, my fellow hosts here, what has that meant for your landscape? Like how have things changed for you? Um, and I'll kick it like to get started. I know I'm a conversation dominator. Everyone knows that. But, you know, for me, I, I generally do 25 to 30 conferences a year, and that doesn't include meetups or drivable things or my local stuff. Um, and to not be doing that, to look, to look at my little 
doorknob where I hang my tags for all my conferences and events and see only two there is pretty shocking. It's been, it's been a pretty jarring thing. So what, what, how, how is this, like, how have things been going for you staying at, not just working from home, but like staying at home and not traveling to meet with parts of your community? Uh, I, I just want to jump in and um, kind of echo what Jeremy just mentioned in chat. Um, not every DevRel team has a super strong focus on travel. I do think it impacts a lot of us and mm -hmm. it has definitely directly impacted a lot of the events that we had um, planned uh, that were both uh, here in Cambridge and over in Dublin. We had some big events planned for those. Um, but for, for us, I think, and I think we'll get into this throughout the episode, um, we've really taken this as an opportunity to actually, in some ways, I've sort of seen this as a strange silver lining, be able to make our events more accessible um, by opening them up globally and opening them more widely to the rest of our community that wouldn't be able to travel. So I think there's been some positives in that sense. Um, I, for one, am just generally over, overall glad not to be in a role that involves a ton of travel anymore. Um, and I, I don't know if this is actually an opportunity for us to regroup as an industry and kind of uh, reflect on, on how, to, how we can most uh, positively impact our community without traveling. Well, I, th I think the interesting thing there too, like I understand totally what you're saying. Not everybody who does DevRel is into travel, but even if like you're a content writer or a technical writer and that's, that's your DevRel thing, have you seen like, do you think people are seeing an increase in like, listen, we need more content because we have no other delivery mechanism right now. If we want to get our message out there, we've got to write hundred billion blog articles per day um, because there's no other way to do it. Uh, and obviously super hyperbole there, but but like, I mean, I, I've seen, because I, I do DevRel consulting for DevRelate, and what I've seen is a lot of people who I usually would travel for and speak for come and say, well, cool, what we'll do is instead of speaking for us once or twice a month, you'll do a blog post or two a month for us instead. And it's like, okay, well, that's a good way to balance it out, and, and it keeps me, you know, in, in chili and beans, as they say. But, you know, for some people, that's not an option, because literally their whole job is to go speak. So I think it's it's interesting, and we're going to touch on how people are transitioning to online events and stuff like that in a few minutes. But I, the interesting thing to me has been watching people figure out how to transition the talks that they've been preparing into different types of content. And I personally love this because I am a huge proponent of never do something only for one reason. Do it, you know, if you're preparing a conference talk, also make it a blog post, also make it a webinar, also make it an online tutorial, also make it these different things because milk something that, that I content. think we for milk the content, but make it available to more people because I, I'm a huge proponent of meeting people and creating relationships face to face. Absolutely. I think you can build deeper relationships that way, but also you aren't reaching as many people. And so your, your scope of talking to people when you're talking face-to-face -face conversations at a conference is dozens, maybe 100, 150 if you're lucky, that you're actually having one-on-one -on -one conversations with, not just speaking at them from stage. But when you're talking online content and you syndicate that content to places like Dev.2 or Medium or posting on Twitter or LinkedIn or engaging with people in your forums and things like that, you have a potential to reach a much higher group of, or much higher numbers group of people. That doesn't make sense, but I think you all understand. Um, and it gives you an opportunity to relate to people and get to know people that can't travel or don't live in those geographic regions and aren't able to travel that far. And it broadens the scope of the community that you're actually able to interact with, which is something that I think a lot of us are now facing and haven't really had to process in the past. So I am a huge fan of the fact that teams are finally having to think about like, okay, how do I repurpose this content? What do I have to do with it? Yeah. And I can add a little bit of that because that's exactly what, uh, what's happening within my team over at Microsoft. And uh, we've got Sarah on the call. I'm sure she's got some perspective about um, this as well. Back to what I was talking about, the, uh, really the, the focus that a lot of us I think have is, is just what we were saying is what can we do to, to make ourselves useful, to still get all this awesome content and the things that we spend so much time on out to everybody, uh, that we intended it to, to reach. And, uh, you know, it's, it's something that we, we, we usually try to work on anyway, but it's, I think now we all have that little bit of extra breathing room to kind of just sit and think about what we want to work on and how we can creatively 
I think to me, that's the most fun part about this whole thing is we've talked about going back and, and turning some of the talks and the presentations from the tour just into blog posts. But I think all of us are really rethinking what can we do to, uh, you know, repackage this in a different way. Can these be done in videos? Can these be done uh, uh, in some, you know, like can be done in lots of different ways. So I think that's kind of neat that we've started to just creatively look at new ways to repackage this content. But, um, but at the same time, it's something we've always known we, we should be doing. And, and some of us have been, but uh, certainly it's forced us to rethink how we connect with people now. Absolutely. I'd actually love to, unmute Jeremy Meese if we could for a second. He's been saying some interesting stuff in chat and I'd love to have you kind of flesh that out a little bit more about the return to the core of DevRel. Yeah, I think I actually put most of it in there. I, a lot of this conversation has been gr like growing the last couple of weeks. I've been on a number of calls with James. You know, there's been a lot of conversation around this and that so much of what DevRel started out as, um, in my opinion, has been not conferences, um, not events. It was all getting to the very core of, um, you know, building relationships with devs. And we used to do that online primarily. And so I think a lot of us have, or a lot in the industry, maybe not a lot of us, but a lot in the industry have, have looked at a, uh, DevRel as, you know, we talk about this all the time. It's all about, hey, it's the, the, the glamorous side. You get to go travel, you get to all do all these things, but it's, not a lot of focus gets done on content, I think. And I think demand gen pushes a lot of this. Let's go to, 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 con, to uh, conferences. But how many devs are actually at conferences? Well, see, so the interesting thing about that is how many devs are at conferences? In my experience, tons. Um, I don't know what the percentages are. Um, it's a decent percentage. It's, you know, I guess it depends on the technology. It depends on the people. I mean, I've also been to conferences where it seems like it's DevRel people talking to other DevRel people. And I don't mean DevRelCon to be clear. I mean like, you know, it's a bunch of speakers speaking to a bunch of other speakers and there isn't a whole lot of like people from the community. Yeah. And I think it goes back to the, you know, the reach is different, right? It's not building one-on-one -on -one relationships. It's, it's reaching people online and then we have to figure out ways to connect with those people in different ways. Um, it's actually one of the interesting things for me is that things like CRMs and documenting who you're having conversations with and all of those types of topics have been far more popular in this past probably year or so. And I think we're going to see that be even more popular of a topic in these next few months as we're navigating how do we engage with people online how do we remember who they are how do we know who they are on twitter versus our slack versus uh the blog comments that they're leaving and how do we kind of navigate the information about um not only who they are but how we're interacting with them and where we're interacting with them so i think it's going to bring us back to a lot of the questions about crms and champion programs and just finding different ways to engage with our community Uh, do we want to move on to online events since we're kind of chatting in that direction anyway? Um, so we have two guests, as we mentioned, um, Sarah from Microsoft and Sarah, I apologize. I actually don't know how to pronounce your last name. <laughs> uh, Sarah Thiem. Thiem, okay. And Kara Souls from Puppet. Um, you want to both introduce yourself? Sarah, we can start with you. Yeah, um, sure. Hi, everyone. Um, Sarah Thiam from Microsoft. Um, I'm actually on the Developer Relations Program Manager team. Um, so I work closely with Jason's team, which is the Cloud Advocate team. So for us, we, uh, we cover more programs. Um, in that sense, when the COVID situation hit, um, and it hit, so I'm based in Singapore, and actually hit um, China, and then Singapore is the third country, I think, after Japan at a point of time. Um, so there were a lot of programs that we were running, especially with the tour happening in our city, and um, that led me to have to convert a lot of them to online events, which is why I'm here. Awesome, thank you. And Kara? Internet. Hey. Um, I'm Kara Souls. I, I work at Puppet. Um, uh, I'm, I'm really excited to talk a bunch about what moving to online events is, is actually going to mean <laughs> from a moderation point of view, which, which I'm uh, almost grateful for some folks to kind of proving. Uh, how important that is 
And, uh, and I'm also really interested in kind of assessing in general how this affects our roles going forward. Definitely. Um, so I think the, the first question that we kind of want to start with is just, there's obviously this huge surge of virtual events now, right? So many conferences that were supposed to be in person that have turned to virtual for lack of another place to be. Uh, is this a good change, a bad change? Is this to be expected? What are your opinions on the topic? Um, well, I, I think so. For me, it's been about six weeks, uh, six to eight weeks of virtual events, and it's gotten pretty saturated, I think, in this side of the world. And I think it, the, the, the pace that it, will, that it will happen at will happen to every country at the pace that the situation hits your country. Um, but I think the first thing to know is that virtual events are not a new format. So first of all, right, because I think a lot of people are very excited about talking about how to run one, um, experimenting for the first time. But I think what's really interesting is that there are actually a lot of resources out there already around how to run virtual events. And there are many people in our community who are really great at it. So um, I think first things first is you can always reach out to people and partner with them for it. So I think that that learning and that sharing is, is like the biggest thing to think about at this point. Like, that was my biggest learning to date. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I totally, totally second that. A lot of folks have been doing online events for a while. Um, I would say one of the really interesting things that we're facing is when a company pivots to an online event, the first thing we talk about is accessibility. Now everyone can join in, now everyone can participate, which is a great thing. Um, but I think that it's, you know, with in-person events, we went through a whole process. We were like, perfect. Accessibility means anyone can come. The same way that we thought that about social media. And we're finding now we have to go through that process again and say, what does it actually mean to be accessible? Um, for example, like on Twitter, we learned that accessibility means voices aren't being drowned out um, by some pretty nasty folks. And in-person events, we learned a lot about um, curating content and creating a really safe, cozy community. Um, we're going to go through that whole change again with virtual events. And we haven't gotten the chance to do that yet. Like we've been building a model that says blast it to everyone. So I'm really looking forward to what that, that looks like. Yeah, and, and I think building on that, also just to answer your question when uh, Mary that you first asked was, is it a good or bad thing? I think it is good um, in a sense that there's a lot of great content coming out right now, but I think it, I think one thing to be really mindful about is um, with online, a lot of things can happen at once. And how do we make sure that we're not duplicating events that are already happening? Uh, one of the interesting things to think about, Ben Ford and I were talking about this the other day, um, is that a lot of the value of going to um, conferences in terms of folks who are speaking is kind of this promise of travel. Um, and I know some of us get super burnt out from the travel because we're 24-7, but for folks that's not the case for, their company is sending them on a trip, it's just fantastic. So that, um, the company paid travel is really, I think, a big part of the reason that conferences have not had to pay speakers. What happens now that that reward doesn't exist? Do we move into a space where speakers are paid? And in addition to that, with online content, what we're seeing is that everything's going to be recorded and it's going to be, it's going to start to switch into higher quality. It's not like above camera that no one wants to watch. So the conferences and the, and the vendors putting on the events are going to get a lot more quality content out of it. Who's actually going to get compensated? Great I question. love that question. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. That's why I was quiet. I'm like, such a good question. How will we address it? Um, I personally yeah. think speakers definitely should still be paid um, or could start to be paid if they're not being paid already. Um, just because I'm already a firm believer in the labor of, you know, um, speaking, but um, I'm not sure what other folks think. Hmm. How we I, I, Jamie Lopez, yeah, Jamie Lopez brought up a great point in Slack or in chat. Um, they said, I, I'd assume that conference costs drop way down when they don't need to have physical venues, but also not sure on the impact to revenue from sponsors, which could impact, of course, the amount of money that companies have to pay for uh speakers and other events like things like that um right well and, but I've also noticed... you know let me let me put my conference organizer hat on for a second and say that you know it, like it's one thing to say like i'm going to reinvent or i'm going to 
um, you know, some big conference and I also work for a huge company that will pay for my travel and everything or versus like, I'm going to DevOps days, Idaho in Boise, which is like maybe a hundred people run completely by the community. They're never going to have a budget to pay all the speakers. So I think if they, if they were to switch to an online event, people would be like, okay, well, I'm still willing to pitch in and give my time, do my talk. Um, and, and, and do that kind of thing. But at the same time, like, you know, sponsors probably aren't going to be as willing to drop, drop dollars as, as, as quickly as they are for people for non in-person events. I don't know. I've seen DevOps days are, you know, organizers being like, Oh, we have so much money. Like where will it go? Um, so okay, I, don't I am a, I am a, Oh, it's definitely not true for all. I mean, that's, there's no universal truth for, for all events. Um, you know, speaking at, at a large event like Collision or Web Summit, where they could easily pay every single speaker who walks through the door and they don't, they definitely should. But coming from like DevOps Days Buffalo, where it's like, how much do we have left over after the event? Minus $200. Okay, well, obviously we're not going to be able to pay any speakers. Yeah. I think an interesting kind of connection to this is the, the art industry in the last five or 10 years, they've gone through a lot of um, changes on the idea that exposure is a way that one should be paid. Um, and I think we're about to go through the same process and it's going to take us time. Um, everyone's going to promise us exposure at first. And for those of us, this isn't our job. Um, and we'll have to go through that same cycle. Um, yeah. Amy, Amy Toby made a really great point in chat. Amy, I don't know if you want to jump in and share with the group if we want to unmute Amy. I just thought it was really interesting, you know, next, uh, next way to evolve this conversation. Yeah, I mean, uh, my, my company, uh, we just kind of, I, was, I started as kind of a hybrid staff SRE in DevRel, but when everything kind of came and closed down, I shifted entirely into DevRel because we said, oh crap, we, we generate a ton of our leads at, at physical events and we got to turn the whole ship around and start doing this differently. And I'm sitting here thinking about it as we're cranking out live events and webinars and whatever we can come up with just to run the experiments. I think syndication is going to end up being the future if we do more and more of this kind of stuff, because, you know, like the, the problem is like, how do I find my dang audience? When I go to SRE con, my audience is there, but you know, now it's, it's everywhere. So we have all the other marketing venues and, and places to find people. So I, I wonder if there's an opportunity there for something new that, well, one, like other people said, like, give me back the hallway conversations. Cause that's my favorite part by a landslide. Um, and I think it's a lot of people's favorite part, at least us extrovert types, um, which is probably a lot of people in this room. Um, you know, and the talks I think are still going to get out there. Yeah. Well, the, that's, the, sorry, go ahead. Esther. I was just going to say, that's really interesting. That's been kind of like my looming question in the light of all of this is like, I'm not sure if like, let's translate this, uh, you know, content we were going to give at a conference and just do an online webinar with the same talk. Um, I'm not sure that's the best way forward. I think there is actually needs to be kind of a whole review of how we're doing things and what's most effective. I know I don't want to sit around and like watch three hours of webinars a day. Like that's not my jam. Um, I would sit through that more likely with breaks at a conference, like just cause there's a very different energy there. Um, so yeah, I don't know what you, you were, if you want to add something, PJ, go for it. Yeah. Like I was like, it, kind of exactly what you're saying. There is a different energy when I've, I've done online presentations before, um, excuse me. And like, it's, it, there's an, there's a, there's a different kind of interaction there. I can't see my crowd, even, even in this room, like I could get some reaction, but it's not the same. The body language is very different. You're all extremely comfortable sitting in the comfort of your own homes. You're not in a very uncomfortable conference chair that may or may not have like adjacent thigh touching. Um, that you're not happy about. It's a totally different situation. And also your attention to me and what I'm presenting is not going to be the same. Um, I'm not going to have the same energy. You're not going to have the same energy. The whole thing is a different dynamic. So I was talking to another speaker the other day. We were talking about the fact that um, basically like without the ability to, to interact with people, I don't know if I'm doing well. I don't know if my jokes are landing. I mean, picture doing stand-up comedy online with no crowd. Can't, could you do that? And, and, and no, presenting DevRel, presenting developer information is not the same thing. But I like to, like, I take a lot of notes from that and the fact that you feed off the energy. And often, if it's interactive and people are asking questions, there's a whole different thing there. People aren't willing to raise their hand, except for Jamie right now, who's raising his hand. Um, 
people aren't willing to raise their hand in an online forum, whereas they might be more likely to do so in person, which is odd because it's kind of counterintuitive to what we usually think of the way people interact. Um, yeah. That's all I, I, yeah. Well, uh, just to sort of add in, uh, to this, to Amy's original point, um, in terms of business models changing, we saw just this week, O'Reilly, was it this week or last week? O'Reilly really just getting out of the game totally. Um, so I think a long week. they're already thinking, I know, uh, there are, you know, you can already tell that people are already thinking uh, about how this impacts, you know, our business models and what kind of changes we're going to have to make. And are we, are we switching to more of a syndicated uh, type of thing? Are we moving to the digital swag mo uh, model that, you know, we're, we're seeing there in chat? Um, and yeah, I mean, it just, it, it changes the business model, but it also changes like our model of how we do things. I think last uh, show we were talking about how if it wasn't for conferences, I would have never met Mary, which means this show would have never started. Uh, we would never met any of the people really on this call. I wouldn't have met Taylor or Amy or Alice or Kara or any of you, you know, um, if it wasn't for those conferences. And it's not, you know, it's, that's like a, another sub part of the hallway track is that we start to make friends and learn who to connect others with in certain situations. Uh, Kara, it looks like Kara's got something you want to you add to this? Yeah, um, and, and kind of to what PJ was saying too, um, we're in the very beginning of how we communicate via video. We don't have language. Like for example, that whole time that you were talking, Jason, I have my hand up. It looks rude, honestly, right? Like if you were talking in a room and I put my hand up the whole time, I would be an ass. Um, so we don't have good language um, in terms of how we're communicating with each other. And I think that's, if you look at it, like people are talking about the next generation growing up digital native, which isn't my generation. We, you know, it's, <laughs> that's the fresh one. What is it going to mean for a generation to grow up um, video communication native? Um, what, what kind of signals are they going to have to each other? We're in the infancy of what both video tools look like and what video specific language looks like in the same way that text specific language is highly cultural and highly specific. I, I agree. And, and in relation to how you started that off about raising your hand, Jamie has had his hand raised for, uh, <gasps> he's using the hand raise function oh. of Zoom, uh, which kind of also speaks to the culture and how video chat looks. So it's really interesting. And now that I'm recognizing Jamie with his question, I can hit lower hand so he can no longer, oh, and then I, <sighs> That's weird. And then it muted him. Cool. So we don't know how this works. All right. Um, Jake, you, you have a question. Me? Yes. Unmute me? yes. We can. Okay. Yes. Awesome. So Jaime Lopez, developer advocate at Jack Herney Associates. So uh, I think my take on, on how this might end up working out, and I'm not a prognosticator because if I was, I wouldn't be here. I'd be making so much bank on the stock market if I could do that. Right. <laughs> what so stock Claire market? Clairvoyance being what it is. I think what we'll see with online only events as they start to become more of a thing is I think you'll start losing that sort of mid-tier conference. I think you will have either the mega conferences or the very tiny conferences, right? right? Because there won't be any room for them, right? It'll be, hey, you know, go check out this cool thing. The folks at Facebook, the folks at Google or Microsoft, they're doing this event. Everybody in the world, millions of people can participate. And then you can have the very tiny ones, kind of like this, right? There's like 20 people in this one because it's cheap. We didn't have to all fly out for a day or a week or whatever to do this thing. And I think you'll miss that that middle ground of like, hey, this is kind of a mid-tier conference. It's got, you know, 300 up to 500 at most people. I think it'll be mega conferences or tiny conferences, you know, many, many, many distributed tiny conferences. So when it comes to CFPs, I think that has an impact, right? So I think it will become harder because I'm just going to admit, some of the conferences I get into is because some of you all couldn't physically be there. They're like, oh, <laughs> well, you couldn't be there. Here, Gary Lopez, you're next up in queue. You were the second choice. That won't happen anymore because unless the time zone is wrong, you can hit millions of people. Right. right. So I think you have to have people start in the tiny room zones and then get more well-known to get invited specifically to the mega conferences. But I mean, even, even time zones, like, I mean, if you look at what we're doing here, uh, Sarah, who had you know a great take on online meet meeting and things like that, Sarah's meeting us. It's twelve thirty at night. What one o'clock in the morning? Yeah. So, like, if there's willingness there, I think that yeah, I don't I don't think that matters. I've done I've done the get up at three a.m. and present to a group in Africa at a meetup um, because the opportunity was there and the video technology was there. Um, great. It didn't feel the same, but it also didn't cost four grand to fly me there to speak for 30 minutes. 
Yeah. Um, so can I can I jump in here? I think um, I, I liked what we said earlier about it being an infancy period and everyone trying out different methods for now. Um, I would say that even in infancy period, we've seen like just within three weeks, people move out of infancy really quickly. Um, and that's just how tech, that's how quickly tech moves. So um, for example, we started off with having these mini meetups like what we're having exactly right now. Um, and then as mentioned, like it is true, like all the smaller conferences, like the DevOps days and the JS cons have kind of quietened down a lot. I think they are also struggling on what to do. But we've seen like giant companies like Microsoft APEC just ran this huge conference about 4,000 developers and they set it up really quickly as well, but that was really large scale. So again, either really small ones or really large ones, um, but then also moving into things like um, how do we, uh, it seems like the conference, the content is changing as well. So it's not so much conference, it's more like just one person speaking for about 50 minutes and people tune in for that. And there's like snippets of that everywhere now. There's not so much like I have three speakers in one meetup because you know you don't have to travel all the way down for just one meetup. You can just log in and log out. Um, and then also I think now that we're eight weeks in, people are pretty excited about having overseas people dialing in. So now that's all the hype right now. So getting people a call in different places, that's what's really exciting. So I think that might be the progression that you see in the US, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'd actually love to hear from Alice. You've been talking in the chat about hosting or speaking at virtual meetups. Um, I think you had some questions as well as some comments about it. And you are unmuted. Not to put you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> or two. Seems like we're not able to hear you. This is another um, really good example of not having these these tools, right? These communication methods. Yeah. Do we have a way for folks to say, I'm willing to chime in, I'm not willing yeah. to chime right. in, I'm in a place yeah. to do it? You know, we just have no language and communication around this. Yeah. We, we don't even so much know what, right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the interesting thing Agreed. too, and, and this kind of goes along with what we're saying, but also so I have two kids, they're a little bit older. One's a senior in high school, the other's a sophomore in college. Um, the one who's in college has older professors. The one who's in high school has younger instructors. She, they had, they took two days and were immediately doing classes on Zoom. And some of these the theater classes, voice classes, dance classes, science, economics, everything she does for her senior year, AP computer programming, all of it over Zoom took them two days. My son is on week two. They haven't started classes back up yet. Um, and Grant, part of that is scale. He's at a university. It's much larger than a high school. Um, but also it seems that the students in her school had absolutely no problem taking to Zoom to the point where they created VPNs to create hallway tracks for themselves so they could communicate between classes, they could meet each other up in study hall, they could do all that without being on the school Zoom or at least not letting the school know that they were on their Zoom. Um, so it's interesting, you know, with what Kara's saying and, and what Sarah's saying as well, like, First of all, I think the generation that's coming up behind us, and I know, listen, I know I'm the old man of DevRel. I get it. I get it. Um, they're already ready to do this. They are wasting no time whatsoever. To the point, you know, my daughter does Zoom, all, does Zoom school all day, hops off, jumps on FaceTime with her friends. They're watching movies together on Netflix Share. Like, they're doing all these things together. There's no reason why our conferences can't do the same. And to speak a little bit to what Jamie's saying, like, I think the community conference will stick around, but that O'Reilly thing that Jason mentioned kind of says, maybe we don't need those big corporate events anymore. Um, I know from my perspective as, as a speaker, I was never really thrilled about being on stage at AW, AWS reInvent with 4,000 other speakers, with you know the only goal being to talk about how you can sell us to other AWS people. Like it really wasn't, to me, a tech event. It was a sales event so you could sell things. I'd rather be there with 200 people that are really passionate about the thing that we're talking about. Um, and I think that with online events, you can kind of do that. DJ, you mentioned an interesting thing about hallway tracks, and I'd actually love to circle back to that. Bernd, I'm totally putting you on the spot. If you're still here, you are. Um, but you were asking, you know, does anyone have any suggestions around hallway tracks and things like that? I don't know if you have anything to add to your question or if you want to... <laughs> let people respond I, I think no that's basically the question that's what i'm asking myself how can we replace the hallway in a way that's not chat and i mean the most tools they allow to uh, ask questions by chat or probably even like here to unmute certain people but how can i really 
like, hey, I see this guy. I want to want to talk to him now because I do this and that, and I wonder how we can get that in an online experience because that that's what I would miss of in-person events. And but then there's also the difficulty of you know I've seen famous speaker person who is trying to do the hallway track, but also like they just spoke, they'd like to get some water, go to the bathroom, eat a meal because they didn't want to eat before they give a talk. And they want a moment when you have a virtual hallway track, like say, you know, Twitter DMs or, or finding someone on Slack, like they don't, yeah, they could technically be passive and just be like, oh, I'm going to pretend I didn't see that. But you feel this responsibility or this guilt, if you will, to respond to every single time. Yeah, Kara, I know you've got something to say there. No, no, you don't have to cut it off. Remember that right now we're making a model where you can raise your hand and it doesn't mean the other person has to stop. Right. Well, I, that was pretty much all I had anyway. That was, that was the limit of my material. <laughs> Love it. Um, I want to challenge all of us. Like, As DevRel folks, we tend to be, to get into the profession, the folks that are really outgoing, that want to have conversations, they want to have them in person, they want to have them in line, they want to have them on stage. And... Um, I think there's a, a danger of us saying, you know, going online is easy because we see people around us adjusting to it. And I think we have kind of a limited viewpoint there. Um, in the same way that people have different learning styles, you know, some folks are really comfortable communicating in chat. Some folks are not comfortable in chat. Some people are okay on video versus okay in person. Um, and we're gonna, we have the potential to lose a lot of voices as we lose options for how people feel most comfortable to communicate. Um, and we're in a period where, because the tools aren't robust yet, we're in a ton of danger of losing all those voices. Similarly with conferences, um, you know, yeah, we all have, well, not me, the rest of you probably have beautiful video setups. Um, is that actually like accessible? Do a lot of folks have that? Are they gonna be, you know, not interested in speaking at conferences because they look like the one that's got, you know, fuzzy background and no microphone. And are we going to get an even bigger rush of hearing the same voices over and over again? Which is something I think we should think about in the DevRel space because often that's our voices mm -hmm. over and over again. Well, here, you know, interesting, interesting idea, Kara. So we, you talked earlier about people getting paid to speak at conferences. Maybe instead of getting paid, you you send them like, you know, you use that money, send a $50 blue Yeti microphone, USB microphone that works on just about any operating system. And you're like, hey, here's your payment. Thanks for speaking to our conference and you know, slap a conference sticker on that bad boy and you're good to go. Um, I like that as the replacement for sweatshirts. Yeah. I mean, like, let's be honest. We all have enough sweatshirts. We all have enough t-shirts. I know there was actually a question, um, and I don't know how serious it was, but like, if we don't go to conferences, what happens to all the swag? Um, I don't have an answer to that. Sarah. Uh, well, and I, Sarah's hand was up. Oh, yeah. Go for it, Sarah. Uh, my brain just blanked. Uh, Mary, you go first. My brain totally blanked on what I was going to say. No worries. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I the, the flip side of, um, you know, there's the huge pro of being able to include more people who can't travel or don't want to travel for whatever reason. There's also an interesting perspective that I saw the other day and I was desperately trying to find this tweet and I couldn't find it. So if someone else saw it and can drop it in there, that'd be awesome. But um, the interesting concept of for folks who are introverts and rely on conferences to get them out and seeing people, it's a huge loss. And so it's an interesting perspective there too, right? Where like for those of us who are extroverts and really want to be traveling, it's a huge loss. But I don't, I personally, at least until then, hadn't thought of the you know, for folks who are looking for things to get them out in, in their communities, it's a big, the, the lack of in-person conferences and moving everything to online is a loss as well. Um, oh, I remember what I was gonna say. Um, so actually mine was, it's, it's on the same point, but I kind of saw it a different way based on like the experiences that have happened so far. So um, by going online actually has actually made things more accessible. So I've had um, Indonesian folks constantly reaching out saying like, you know, when are you gonna, come over and have a conference there. And we rarely get to go to Indonesia because of the infrastructure and everything. Um, but then we had a ton of them tuning in to the online conference itself. Um, given that, yeah, I mean, definitely hardware is going to be one. And I think it'll be a balance, but I think that are the pros of it going online as well. And I think on the introvert side as well, um, 
it kind of levels the playing field for everyone now because it's like if I'm not super extroverted in person, now it's on a level playing field where everyone's online anyway. So I've had some introverts, um, like we have a JS meetup in Singapore that happens monthly and we don't see some people that we've, we've seen them on the meetup, but we've never seen them um, in person before and they've suddenly started appearing on Zoom. Um, so I guess that could be like the upside of it as well. You know, one of the benefits I think of having, uh, you know, live uh, events or in-person events is because you do get that mix of introverts and extroverts. And I can say like, if it wasn't for the extroverts, I, again, I, I come back to, I wouldn't have met many of you on this call. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have the job I have. I wouldn't be doing any of what I'm doing if it wasn't for me kind of hovering outside of a little group of people talking about something I'm interested in. And then like the Pac-Man effect happening, like somebody saying, Hey, you know, come uh, be a part of this conversation. That I think is what scares me the most of losing is that uh, how can we still create that um, those nodes of of network connections when um, some people just aren't going to be as comfortable diving into a conversation and and you know almost like the live version of sticking their hand out and saying you know forcing you to shake their hand and, and learn their name like there's no there's no way of making that happen now and I think uh, there's just a lot of things that. Uh, I think most of us are having a hard time wrapping our head around how do we replicate that in the digital world. So this is interesting. I'm loving that as we're talking about this out loud, the chat is kind of going, well, but wait, this, this interface or this tool lets you have breakout rooms and this tool does too. And did you know that this thing has this? And it brings me back to what we were mentioning earlier of like, we're all still learning. And that's those of us who like a lot of us on this call, I would wager work from home and are, would say that we're fairly used to Zoom. And I know I, for one, have learned probably more from the chat today and from this experience about Zoom than I thought was even possible <laughs> about different ways to both protect us as well as different tools and features that are available that I had no idea were a possibility. So I think we're kind of back to the, we're all learning and we're all in this together and it's gonna require some additional research rather than us assuming that we know what what tools are capable of and what tools are out there. Right. And I think I think in some ways, I think the interesting thing is in the past there's been these great events that cause a push or a change in technology. You know, there was the whole web 2.0 thing. Um, and be, but before that there was the whole advent of the internet and people creating websites and what that meant. And then video and adding adding that chats and adding that and all these things and and contrary to the horror that we had earlier in this call, um, like a lot of the adult entertainment industry pushes this, this is the opportunity to switch that um, to, to get rid of, you know, negative effects being the thing that pushed the industry, but saying, listen, and, okay, maybe it's still a negative effect. We have this horrible situation that we're in. There's a, there's a gigantic pandemic. Um, it's worldwide. What can we do? What can we change in technology to make things easier for all, not just technology's sake, um, and I think that like, I, I, I know that I've opined on the show before about how I feel like a lot of technology companies are building technology that is useless. It has no purpose. Um, and it's, it's actually negatively impacting the world. Like, I, I'm sorry, Facebook, we don't need you. We don't, a lot of the things that Facebook builds are horrible and useless. We don't need them. Who's going to build the next thing that's going to be awesome. Um, and I've seen little things like there's, there's a, there's an, uh, there's a resource called matter Mattermost. Mattermost is basically free self-hosted Slack. Um, you can't get to it unless you know the actual identity of that server. That's a great way to bring people together online in small groups who might not understand how to do a full Slack app integration, but they understand how to open a browser and do chat. Like little things like that are going to make a difference. Um, and I mentioned that because, you know, we're talking about like the different events and things like that hackathons are still happening. There's, there's one that started today called Code versus COVID um, that is specifically for people to come up with ideas to use technology to combat the disease, whether that's how to program 3D printers to better make masks for, for first responders in, in hospitals to how to actually build your own ventilator system, how to, you know, whatever. Uh, it just started today, so we don't know what's going to come out of it yet, but it's going to be pretty interesting. Like, maybe this is our next opportunity to make that leap in technology that says, no, we're not going to talk about a hyperloop between Los Angeles and San Francisco. No one really needs that. What we're going to talk about is how to make it easier for people to breathe, easier for people to communicate, easier for older people to get online and understand what's going on and get their news. Let's talk about the positive things that we can do. 
SJ, you had something to say. <laughs> um, I would, if I do get into what I was going to say, it's going to take us back to another portion of our conversation. You've definitely evolved it to the next Sorry. level. Sorry. That's okay. Um, I think I, I will just say for the sake of saying it, um, I want to just talk for a minute about this dichotomy between introversion and extroversion that I think PJ and I have discussed this as like kind of a false dichotomy. I think we're all kind of different in different settings. I personally, as someone who doesn't love public speaking, I shut down at conferences, but I do force myself to go to some um, just for the, the sake, the benefits that we've all identified. But I actually feel myself like kind of thriving in this setting where I can just jump in and like, y'all are listening to me and it's like amazing. <laughs> and I'm at home, I feel safe and I'm not anxious. Um, so I think it's like, just for different types of people and different like arrangements. Like, I don't know. My point was just sort of like, like let's not necessarily boil it down to, oh, extroverts are, are like suffering now. Um, and like introverts have this great opportunity. It's just sort of like, uh, yeah, I lost my point, but right. you, know, well, you know what I'm well, saying. Well, let me help you carry. This isn't a time to be carrying the introvert or extrovert flag, which again, false dichotomies aside, but it's, it's a time for us to come together and like, you know, realize that, Hey, I'm a content developer. I'm really good at content development. Jason's really great at being on stage. We should work together so I can get the content. I can get what's in Jason's brain out into the community. And, and that's the thing. Like, I, I'm actually curious, like for people that are almost strictly content developers they don't do the event thing or their company doesn't do the event thing what are you seeing that's different are you seeing a ramp up in in requested content are you seeing more use of social media maybe um for those of you following my current fight with on twitter with dairy queen um a lot of companies are going to social media in order to interact with their community a little bit more um what are you like i i kind of like have a different perspective because I'm, I'm, you know, doing this as a company, but what are, what are you seeing? Like, let's get some feedback. Feel free to raise your hand. Well, and I'd love to hear not only what people are seeing, but how it's changed their team priorities internally, right? Exactly. What are the yes. things that you're focusing on now instead of traveling, even if you weren't traveling a lot, but what are you focusing on instead of? We're going to go to Jamie um, and then Taylor, you are right after Jamie. Perfect. Hi, I'm here. Um, so I have a somewhat different perspective than I think a lot of folks that I'm following in the DevRel collective community and, and others on Twitter, where my role, given that we're opening up our uh, banking API, like the ultimate goal is to be like Stripe, where random person in their basement or in a coffee shop can sign up. But the fact of the matter is, today, that's not feasible. You still have to get contracts set up. So we're opening up as much of the documentation and everything else as possible. Largely for me, it's not that different. It's not to say that it isn't different, right? But I wasn't coming into the role thinking, hey, I'm going to be flying like to every continent of the world constantly, right? That was never my role. It has meant that a few events have been canceled. And there's one that I really wanted to do that I thought would be critical for us is at risk, right? It might go online only, might get delayed, it might be canceled altogether. But since the approach was to focus on scalable content and scalable ways of reaching developers, it's like we're running at 90% capacity. So for us, as a very anecdotal niche, like it didn't impact me. I wasn't looking to go to all the mega conferences and all the meetups and, and toss out all the swag and everything that just wasn't our approach. So I just want to add to that as like a, uh, I think a counterexample to a lot of, I think what we'll hear for other folks that have different needs at different programs. Yeah, no, I yeah. think that's an important perspective to have though. Taylor, you had your hand up? Well, um, so actually I will not give that much of a different perspective <laughs> because it's the same for me. Um, so historically like content to me has been the thing that scales the most on smaller teams, um, especially smaller teams that weren't looking to do large amounts of travel. Um, and so it, it has always been more of a priority I have seen, though, I mean, I am getting, a, we're, we're getting a little bit more resources to actually um, hire someone, uh, another person onto the marketing team to do more content, but that was not something that changed. That was already like a planned thing. Um, it has been interesting though, I mean, so the background is we had a slight pivot in the fall, so now we are back into like a beta state. So, you know, 
priorities shift and what you, you know, maybe don't go to a conference as much and talk because you're not ready to really like pull those people in to a beta product when you want to wait till something that's more like the public release. Um, but, you know, we have been having more conversations of maybe this does mean I give a few more talks than planned. I mean, it was already planned. I had two canceled this spring and, uh, but maybe even more just because it is at least cheaper from like, and no flying and all that kind of stuff to, but we haven't necessarily gone super in one way or super in the other way because of this. One, right one on. of the, David. One, just real quick, I want to add something to this because I think that um, something that I'm struggling with myself is there's tons, there's a backlog of content that I could spend, I, I could never ever get through it. You could have three more pandemics and there'd be still plenty of things to write about. The problem I'm having right now is I don't really, I'm having trouble deciding if, if writing an article about how to create a service level in indicators using log analytics on Azure is the best use of my time. If there's something else I should be doing that's actually better for like the collective world, I guess, you know, just like, is this really what I should be doing when it comes to uh, trying to stay sane, trying to feel like my job is still, you know, pretty routine. Nothing's really changed there. Like there's just so many things going on in my mind as I'm writing and like editing an article thinking, wow, is this really what I should be doing right now? So anyway, I just want to put that up there. But unmute. Taylor, you've got your hand up. Wait, 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 wait. we got David. Wait, what? Okay. No, but I, I think, oh. I think Taylor's comment has to do with what Jason just said. Okay. I definitely say it's something I'm struggling with. I've spent a week on a blog post that should not have taken me a week. Um, I think the biggest thing for me has been talking to, I mean, our CTO literally replied to one of my tweets on Twitter about it being okay if your content's taking you longer and being like 100% this is okay and we're trying our best. But I definitely like, I agree. Like you're sometimes like a lot of shit is happening around me. A lot of friends, family, communities are being affected. Um, I had that feeling during Hurricane Harvey and for the, that turned into me jumping on in some of my free time, some civic data projects that literally was just me cleaning data, but it made me feel like, okay, I'm doing something on the side. It's kind of monotonous, which I enjoyed when I'm struggling with something personally, mm -hmm. but then it helped me refocus on like the actual work that I needed to do for like normal work stuff. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I'm learning and processing these past few weeks is that no matter what our situations were prior to this, no matter if we're used to working from home, no matter if we go into an office on a daily basis, like we have to, the phrase I use is give ourselves grace. We have to acknowledge that we might not be as productive as we were before and that's okay. We have to acknowledge that our employees or our direct reports or our managers might not be as productive as they were before and that's okay and not holding ourselves to that same standard of, well, here's what I was supposed to get done in Q1. I have to plan for Q2 and here's everything that's on my plate for Q2 and just making sure that if you need to give yourself space, you do. And if your way of giving yourself space is keeping and maintaining the same workload that you had before to maintain that routine, that's fine too, but it's gonna look different for everybody. And I think that's almost more important for managers to keep in mind, but it's important for all of us to keep in mind for ourselves. I feel like one thing we haven't addressed, I'm sorry, I know David, you're waiting, but I just have one thing to sort of wrap up this thought. One, uh, one sort of angle that maybe we haven't discussed as much today is, you know, how are the developers in our communities feeling right now? How much content do they want to consume? Like, We've done a lot of sort of uh, filtering, I guess, of uh, content and processes in that with that lens of kind of empathy in, in regard to all of uh, everything that's going on in the world. And we've really totally cut off certain kinds of communications. We've um, changed the tone and voice for a lot of communications. So I'm just wondering, like, how folks are approaching that. And maybe we can open that up after we get to David's point, because that's a whole other question. <laughs> I can tell you that the Zoom docs are pretty important right now. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, and David, you were talking earlier in chat about just your experience with content. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more from that perspective. Sure. Yeah, sorry for my appearance. I'm uh, a little sick. I'm in quarantine. Um, still trying to 
figure out this brave new world. Uh, I was in South Africa with a client um, creating materials for boot camps. Uh, we had a class running with students that got shut down. The students are sent home. Uh, the ability to go do on-site training. I know a lot of DevRel gets sucked into like sales support kind of stuff. Um, or, you know, the idea of gathering with other developers and having content that's geared towards that. We're realizing now that, uh, first of all, the audience has evaporated. Uh, secondly, the landscape has changed and it's not likely that those will be the places that we're actually in demand. Uh, so that particular client has just basically had to pull the plug. I think um, things like boot camps are going to really be uh, suffering as people try to figure out, can I teach the same way that I was planning to teach in the real world, uh, but take that online. So repurposing for, you know, if you don't have a platform, you're kind of high and dry right now. You've got to figure out, can I build a platform? Can I find a platform? Uh, and can my content actually go into that platform? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's I like, a bigger, go ahead. I was just going to say, SJ, I liked your point about empathy for our communities and how do we figure out what they're looking for? How do we provide the right content for them? I'm watching the chat go by and people, I think it was uh, Alice, you said, as an engineer, the content I want right now is anime and the, like plus, 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 yes, plus one. Like understanding that some people are going to want a sense of normalcy. Some people are going to want a sense of uh, safety and assurance. Some people are going to want just let me get back to my work. And it's hard to know how to balance that. And there's a certain extent at which I think, you know, we keep doing what we're comfortable doing. If you are able to write content and it's good evergreen content that can be useful later down the road as well, keep writing that. If it's better and easier for you to process things by doing anime and you have the skills, because I do not, <laughs> but if you have the skills to do that and connect with your community in that way, do that. If you have the ability to connect with your community in your online forums and just be there for them, do that to the point that you're, or to the ability that you have that you're still taking care of yourself as well. But it's just a matter of us providing in ways that we can for our community. Oh, well one thing ourselves. I kind of want to bring up in that regard is, and I've, I've experienced it as a consumer is like, you know, every single company I've ever made any transaction with is sending me a, our community and COVID-19 email. And like, I don't feel like I'm a part of 99.9% .9 of those communities just because I bought like, I don't know, God knows what of the million things I buy online. Um, and so it was, it's actually worse than the, the, the GDPR was a, a year or two ago. Yeah, it, it, it is. Like, we, we're just letting you know about privacy. We're going to continue to send you emails. Yeah. Uh, and so I just wonder, like, with that lens, when we're sending out communications, it feels inauthentic sometimes to be like, here at X company, we care about our community. And like, of course, I think we mean that to some extent, but I don't know, I'm being inundated by a lot, a lot of inauthentic messages right now. And so I wonder how other po folks are approaching that. Carrie, your hand is up. Oh, mine was on the previous and future topic. So I'm going to pause and let someone else respond to that. Yeah. This is sort of an observation and open thought and see if anyone else like. But yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think SJ, I definitely feel this. I think it's very interesting how, and, it, and, it, and it, in, in a way it reminds me of like kind of the world of open source, like open source is supposed to be this great thing and we're giving it to everybody for free and it's so accessible and everyone can use it. Yay. Every computer can have open source software. It's awesome. And then people profiting off of that. Um, like this is like, oh, there's a horrible pandemic. Oh, and people are sick. We're going to send you a message to remind you that you shop at Lord and Taylor. Yeah, that's not helpful. And 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 yeah, I'm picking on a retail outlet. I could pick on so many companies right now, um, but like the, yeah, because I bought socks for my wife for Christmas in 2013 doesn't mean I need to hear about what your COVID 19 response is. And chances are, it's the same as everyone else's, and I'm not going to read it. Um, not to mention, it does not endear me to your brand. Uh, mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think that there's a whole situation out there where people are having a negative impact with content. Um, and that, that includes here in the DevRel world. I think there's a lot of people that are writing things that are hurtful to the situation and not helpful when they could be focusing on making the world a better place. I hate that phrase, but fuck it, I said it. Um, kind, of, kind of a continuation of, of what we're talking about here. And uh, I... <laughs> <laughs> I hope I don't uh, offend anyone here, but in the past, most virtual conferences have been boring as shit. Yeah. They feel like a webinar that won't end. 
which and is nobody really, likes webinars. <laughs> it's my nightmare, right? Um, so this, uh, to enter this new world, we have to have fun. Um, we, Ben and I were talking about this the other day, like Ben, uh, has been working. Wait, Ben, do you want to say what you've been working on? Cause it's cool. You don't have to. It's chill. Go for ben, it, ben is, ben is oh. unmuted. There you are. Okay. I am now unmuted. Sorry. I was, I was like clicking the button trying to do the thing and it was, it, and it wasn't doing it. Um, so you've all seen those, those kind of like murder mysteries and like those mazes and scavenger hunts thing that, that are uh, tied into some kind of technical content. A few weeks ago, somebody did one about Git where you could like crawl back through uh, Git history and, and sort of like look at different commits and different hashes and everything. And we got to thinking, it's like, hey, you know what, what if we did something like this about our own technical content? And so we built a scavenger hunt that basically uh, has you run through uh, our tool and sort of do some uh, troubleshooting and debugging. So it's an interactive game that uh, teaches you content at the same time. So we That's don't know how it's going to go, but we'll see. It'll be fun. It's exactly the kind of thing that, that we need to make sure we don't enter this. Like, we're all going to close the window. We're not paying attention. We don't care um, <laughs> to get folks actually excited. So there's a lot of, I agree, there's a lot of focus right now. And this is what we're doing about COVID. And this is how our online event is, is going to really approach that and help with that. Like, I'm having a bad month. <laughs> the world is having a bad year. We need some fun shit to keep us on board. 100%. Right. And, yeah, and, and, and it, it needs say, to be participatory, not just shout at me. Like, I yes. feel like these, these emails are shout at me. Like, yo, COVID this, COVID this. It's like, I get COVID. Believe me, as, as an immunocompromised individual, I get it more than most. Um, mm -hmm. At the same time, I want, I want to see what people do. I want to see cool shit. I want to see awesome, amazing things. I don't want to see, talk about, so we use the public database to stretch how many COVID people there could possibly. Okay. Cool. Not cool enough. I want to yep. see, no, I, was... I built a 3d printer out of Legos and I'm making small figurines for my D and D campaign because that's what I'm doing. Cause I'm locked in the goddamn house. That's yeah, what I, I want to see. That's what Alice is saying with like, I want the feeling of anime. Like sure. I can mm. watch anime after work, but like, yeah. can I actually get engaged with events that make, that bring me that same joy yes. and engagement and interest instead of breaking okay. my soul. Exactly. Mm -hmm. and, and like, you know, we get it. Cause like in DevRel, you know, we do events and we build content that's specifically around technology. But what about those people that were planning on going to Emerald city or New York city or San Diego comic-con, any of these things, the Toronto fan expo where they were going to, you know, embrace their inner geek or, or any of the video game tournaments that were going on. Like there's so it's not just us. It's so much bigger than just us. But maybe we who have a lot of events and a lot of things that we do can help to move the thing forward and help people to understand like, hey, listen, Ryan Reynolds, jump on a Zoom call, do a Reddit Ask Me Anything for an hour and a half. Your fans will love it. Make sure you um, have a password. Make, make I, sure you I, have concern, a password. My concern is that is actually for us is that we run a much higher risk of being boring as shit online than Comic-Con. I mean, Jaime just said, this topic is mostly a soft problem in the YouTube community. And it's true. Yeah. People figured it out. We got Twitch. We got awesome videos. This is a place where DevRel is actually on tech is coming in behind and has right. to up. Right. Well, I mean, and I, and I yeah, take some, I some, of my, some of my tips from like Ben Gibbard from Death Cab for Cutie, who is doing a song a day on YouTube. He just sits in his room with a mic just like this and writes a new song about how he's feeling today. Yeah, and I think someone someone was saying earlier, you know, we we need to figure out ways to make events not just standard webinars. And uh, the example that I have actually happened last fall. Uh, it was Nordic JS, and they did a live counterpart to their in-person conference. And someone pointed me to that as everything was starting to go online, and it was brilliant because they had the live stream not just as like, "Hi, this is coming from a video in the very back of the room that you can't really even see what's going on," but had a good live stream video. And then during breaks, they went to interviews and they had like correspondence on the ground doing interviews with other attendees. And so it turned it almost into this like Olympics coverage of like, cool, let's go to this now. And then let's go to this. And then we have side rooms where people can talk to each other and everything else, which I think is just, there's, 
there are events like that out there who have done it well. It's just a matter of finding those. And then, like you said, Kara, catching up to what other people are already doing. Amy. Oh, no, oh, Amy's muted. Kendra. Okay, Amy's so, on. <laughs> so what this all got me thinking about is, um, I, I kind of threw out this idea a long time ago because my company does incident management product, what we're mostly known for. And, um, of doing like a D&D style campaign for incident management so that we could train people and make it entertaining and fun. Um, but the other side of that is, is like, I can sort of do that, but I'm not that big of a gamer where I, I, I see myself as a game designer. And so I'm wondering what other folks are doing around like pulling in resources, maybe from the entertainment space, right? Like, you know, these people that are losing their butts at Emerald City, right? They don't have their booths anymore and the mm -hmm. artists and so on. I wonder if we should be reaching out more to that community because I need help, right? Like I'm not an artist. I can come up with here, most here. of the mechanics and I can probably fill in a that. lot of the dialogue and make the graphs and stuff. But like the rest of it, <laughs> there are people I way better that. at that than me. It, it's I like that. I always say, I can build a great functional website, but I can't make it pretty. It's in Times New Roman with black text <laughs> on a white background. And I've seen it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. SJ, ouch. I'm just thinking about your love it. that you've made for Community Pulse. They're yes. awesome. They're yes, right. they're beautiful. So okay. I think on that note, I love the conversations we have been having. Uh, unfortunately, we are coming up on the top of the hour, and I think we could all keep talking about this for a very long time. Um, but I would love to keep these conversations going online. Um, feel free to follow us at Community Pulse, Community underscore Pulse on Twitter. Um, if you are active in developer relations, if that's your role and you are not in the DevRel Collective, feel free to reach out, devrelcollective.fun. Uh, feel free to DM any of us and we would love to continue these conversations. And I just want to say before we finish, I want to say thank you to Keely, Jocelyn, Alice, Maria, George, Leon, Isaac, David, Jeremy, Jaime, Taylor and Ben for hanging out with us and sticking with us through the technical difficulties. Thank you to Sarah and Kara so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Kara, you had something you wanted to say before we go? Um, I'll have a blog post on a bunch of this coming out on Monday. So look out Sweet. for that. Fantastic. Awesome. If you we give us the link, link for that, we all of that. Yeah. 100% in the show notes. Um, and yeah. for those of you who listen consistently to the community policy, you know, I like to finish these things with an inspirational quote from some of my hip hop heroes. So to close this episode, I think it's appropriate to, to go with a quote from Kendrick Lamar. When the shit hits the fan, is you still a fan? Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Community Pulse, and we will see you next time. You've been listening to the Community Pulse. Find out more at communitypulse.io, on Twitter at community underscore pulse, or anywhere you get your favorite podcasts.